This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast, IDP edition. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF, and I am here to bring you another weekly IDP preview episode. But, of course, I couldn't do it alone, so I won once again joined by another beautiful mind and beautiful face of the IDP world. The young king, Evan Ronda, is in the house. Evan, what is going on, my friend? John Macri. What a pleasure it is to record another episode with you. Uh, hopefully, this recording goes better than when I lost to you in golf last time we were together <laughs> in Kentucky. Because let me tell you, you play 18 holes of golf and somehow lose 25 golf balls, you know something's not going well. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I think we both lost that day, if we're, if we're being honest. It was like the battle of mid on the golf course as we just struggled uh, to keep up with, with Adam and company um, because those guys golf all the time. We do not as much. So um, it was still fun, but uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a learning experience. We'll hopefully get better uh, next time we all get together, but yeah, man, glad to have you on the podcast and talking some IDP again. So uh, thank you for coming on. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah, man. So again, um, for anybody that's maybe new to the show, <clears throat> uh, we're going to go game by game again. We'll we'll cover the main storylines and and matchups worth discussing uh, for every team. And and look, we're we're not going to talk about like every single IDP on on every team because at this point in the season, some players just don't need any analysis, and and you could start them without thinking about it. Um, so don't be a chooch and leave a disrespectful comment on the YouTube about why we didn't talk about TJ Edwards or Daniel Hunter last episode. Some guys, you really should need help starting at this point in the season um i am happy to answer start sit questions and interact with folks in the youtube comments as long as you're respectful so please feel free to ask questions jump in the comments below and let's have some fun and win some idp matchups this season cool cool all right and as usual we'll have the timestamps in the episode description so you could jump around find the games you're looking for um and i'll include the link to my idp rankings over on pff.com link to the pff idp fantasy report as well where you can find all of the week's idp waiver targets snap shares utilization for every single idp from this past week's game and so much more um all the images you'll see on the youtube as well are straight from the idp fantasy report which is also free on pff.com so um be sure to uh like and subscribe if you are watching on the YouTube. It does help me a ton, so I, I really do appreciate anybody that takes the extra second to do that. It means a lot. Um, but yeah, other than that, let's get into it. And before we do get into the game-by-game -game part of it, I do want to give a quick shout-out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no 
health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. Uh, policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Young King, let's get into this and kick things off with Thursday night football. It is the Jacksonville Jaguars and the New Orleans Saints. Where do you want to start things off with this one? Yeah, the first thing I got to mention here is Devin Lloyd. I think there's a small group of people that cling to their love of Chad Muma, kind of like my love to Calvin Austin, maybe, for example, in just that they love him as a prospect when he came out from the draft. He got drafted to the to the Jags. Obviously, that pretty much killed his value in fantasy. Um, but these last two weeks, he's been pretty productive. But the reason for that is because Devin Lloyd has been injured. Now, when Devin Lloyd comes back, and he will be back this week. Actually, he was back last week. I'm sorry. Yeah. But uh, his, his return, you know, completely killed Chad Muma's value. So I know there are probably some managers that have either been holding Chad Muma or picked him up off waivers. I think at this point in the season, we can pretty much just drop him unless you're in a league that rosters handcuffs. But this is going to be Devin Lloyd's game once again. Now, uh, I do want to add a quick caveat. I, I do have some, you know, points allowed by position on average by, you know, offensive matchup here. And uh, against the New Orleans Saints, they're actually the 28th best matchup for linebackers, which is not a great matchup. It's like bottom <laughs> five. So, well, you know, while Devin Lloyd will be getting a solid snap share, I don't necessarily expect this to be a massive spike week for him. Um, but if you're in a league where you're starting like four or five linebackers, obviously he's going to be in your lineup almost certainly. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Devin Lloyd. Um, we, we talked about it last episode with Jace as well. Like we we knew he was had a pretty good chance of coming back last week. He was uh, didn't make the trip to London, but they were back from London and Chad Muma. He was productive for IDP mostly, but he was really poor, at least as far as PFF grades go. Um, I think he was the second lowest graded player on the defense um, in each of the past two weeks before Devin Lloyd came back from injury. So it seemed like the writing was on the wall there. He had kind of lost snaps by himself as well. He wasn't playing a full-time role. So now that Devin Lloyd is back, we saw Muma go back to basically special teams. That was all he did um, in week six, I guess it was now. So um, yeah, not uh, loving that for for Chad Muma, obviously, but Devin Lloyd, you, you again, not the best matchup like you said, but it's a week where we have six teams on a bye as well. So you want to probably play your every down linebackers. You might not be able to afford getting picky or not. And we'll kind of go through some of the deeper options as well. If you are hurt by those bye weeks and, and things like that. And I, I have a few different options that people might consider um, this week as the options are kind of thin. So definitely like the call on the linebackers there. Uh, the other one is, is Josh Allen, um, the edge rusher for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, th this is a guy that, um, he's been, he's been awesome to start the year and this is a decent matchup for him too. Derek Carr has a 22.1% pressure to sack conversion rate. Um, he's taken 17 sacks. Both of those are the eighth worst in the NFL at this point. Uh, Allen should be lining up against Trevor Penning, who is the weaker of the two offensive tackles, although Ryan Ramchek might not play either. So uh, it's really kind of win-win for Josh Allen. He'll be facing backups. Uh, well, Trevor Penning, not a backup, but he could be facing a backup if uh, he's lining up against the right tackle as well. Um, so yeah, like, like this matchup like a lot for Josh Allen. He has been excellent all year. He is my edge seven um, heading into this week. I really love that Josh Allen call. And to add some more fuel to the fire, I would hope that 
you know, a lot of your listeners are subscribers to PFF, but for those that aren't, there's this really, really cool PFF met metric called uh, true pass at pressure rate, which basically only looks at pass rush snaps for players when they're in situations where their own skill is what determines their success, which is a really, really wordy way of basically saying <laughs> it's a predictive metric that measures how successful of a pass rusher a player is. Josh Allen's true pass set pressure rate uh, win percentage, I should say, is is 22.1%, which is very, very high. Uh, I guess among like all edge rushers, it's, I mean, it's, it's very high. I guess that's all I'll say. It really <laughs> depends on your cutoff metric, but like, you know, the highest guys in the league that are actually getting snaps, like Rashawn Gary is insane. He's at like 40%, but most of the other best guys are at like 26, 27%. So being at 22% for your pass rush win rate in true pass sets is very, very impressive. And speaking of impressive true pass set win rates, Trayvon Walker has quietly been climbing up in that metric as well. He started the season very poorly, but he's all the way up to 16% win rate right now, which obviously is not elite by any metric, but it's really, really optimistic to see him up at that level, especially considering number one, where he started and number two, what our long-term expectations are for him from the rest of this season and dynasty going forward. Yeah, that's a good call. And and yeah, the true pass set uh, win rate stuff it, it is really helpful, I think, in, in kind of knowing which one of these guys are, are doing well when they have when their only job is to worry about rushing the passer right there's uh no play action taken to that no no screens uh no rollouts or 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 rpos any of that stuff that um the the offensive line might be run blocking or or in motion or anything like that so um it is it is a helpful metric to look at for sure and yeah nice to see trayvon walker kind of creeping up there a little bit uh we know he's kind of been a work in progress but um it, it is good to see that he'll He's developing, right? And and we know it's going to take some time. Um, anything else from the Jaguars that you want to talk about or you want to cover the Saints at all? Let's jump over to the Saints. I really want to quickly actually touch on their interior defensive linemen. Now, yeah. they have a rotation of four guys. They've got Brian Brzee, Malcolm Roach, Kalen Saunders, Nathan Shepard. I mean, it's, it's a, I don't want to say a relatively even split. I mean, there's definitely guys that have gotten more snaps and guys that have gotten less snaps. Uh, but this matchup, particularly against the Jacksonville offense, is the third best matchup for defensive tackles in points generated for that position. And what I'm looking at in conjunction with that metric is I'm also going to look at their pass rush win rate. And interestingly enough, the guy that really pops out here as far as interior defensive linemen goes are, are Kalen Saunders and Brian Brzee. Now, it's not incredibly high numbers. I mean, Kalen Saunders is 13.6% in true pass sets. Brian Brzee's at 9.3%. But on the season, Brian Brzee has 13 pressures. All the other interior defensive linemen have three, three, and six. So to me, this almost seems like a, if you're in like a two defensive tackle league and you're looking for a sack upside, this could be Brian Brzee's week for a sack. I like it. That's a, that's a fun call because look, there, there's going to be a lot of teams out there that have Quinnen Williams, Jeffrey Simmons. These guys are on a bye week this week. Um, DJ Reader, even like guys like that. So looking for a streaming option is, is going to be important here. And I like the call Brian Brzee. He's a fun rookie um, that that we like uh, liked a fair bit coming out of college. And um, I, I like the call there for sure, especially going against uh, Jacksonville, like you said. Um, how about the Saints linebackers? Because People have been, I think, fairly frustrated with their tackle efficiency, I guess, right? And um, Fred, our, uh, 
Demario Davis and Pete Werner are, are the guys that are the, the starters there. They're the clear every down backs, but not always producing high end tackle numbers. Um, they do pop every once in a while with big plays, specifically Demario Davis, who might come up with a sack. But this is kind of one of those things where they both play in a very man heavy defense. And I don't think enough people kind of take into account how important that man defense can be for tackle efficiency for linebackers and the saints are the second most man heavy defense in the nfl so it really does it cuts down tackle efficiency for linebackers by about six or seven percent um, which is a big number um, on a weekly basis so it does hurt these guys from time to time it is something to kind of keep in mind when you're choosing between one player or another you may want to lean into a more zone heavy team for example but um, pete werner and lamar and demario davis both of those guys i have i think were LB30, Demario Davis LB39, and Demario Davis may not be able to go on Thursday night as well. So in that case, Zach Bond uh, might likely be the next man up. Yeah, I I absolutely love these metrics because this is what makes John Macri John Macri when it comes to fantasy analysis. This is the difference maker. This is that next tier of detail that you can get when it comes to projecting players, but also just having analysis based on you know, what you can expect season long and week to week variance. And I love that the analysis based on man, man coverage defense, like you might not necessarily feel that in a major way on a week to week basis, but over the season, that's a difference of, you know, more than two or three tackles that can be 10, 20, 30 tackles, depending on the defensive scheme that you're in. And I think that's really, really important to note. So like frustrating, I think I like the usage of that word there. I wouldn't use disappointing because disappointment is simply relative to expectation. And if your expectation was currently what they're doing because you happen to follow John Macri and know what's up with man defense, then this is about expectation. So I, I really like that call out there. I will also note the Jags offense as a matchup, seventh best in points generated for linebackers. So that could give them a slight yeah. bump relative to their normal levels of expectation but i'm not out here looking for a career game from pete werner by any means yeah no i, I agree it is it is actually a nice matchup for them but again it, it's you kind of come back to the efficiencies well as well and you kind of just kind of have to hedge a little bit there and, and put them in the middle pete werner probably more in that that lb3 range i would say but definitely has the potential for a big tackle game he is a, a strong run defender as well so things could work in his favor on thursday Anything else for this Thursday night football game or should we move on to Sunday? Yeah, I really am not excited to see the backup quarterback duo that's going on here. So I think we can. <laughs> oh, well, I'm actually giving us a little bit of a spoiler for our next game, but that's fine. Let's get into it. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, the Las Vegas Raiders at the Chicago Bears. It looks like it's what Aiden O'Connell versus Tyson Badgent. Um, this one, luckily, not a nationally televised game, but uh, there is a star in this game, and that is Max six X's now on his name Crosby um, with six X on the year or five and a half I guess we're not, we're not giving half X's over here uh, Max Crosby has earned a full X and I, I think the main thing for me with Crosby I mean he's edge one for me there's really not much analysis to put into this other than he's facing off against Darnell Wright and Larry Borum who are protecting Tyson Badgett I think uh, there, this is a great matchup for for Crosby but three straight games now of 100% of defensive snaps which is just a ridiculous feat for a defensive lineman um, it, it's it's unbelievable I, I think he is probably going to stay locked in as my as my edge one as long as um, that high snap share continues. 
Yeah, and again, to add more fuel to the fire, talk about TPS win rate, 26.5%. And remember, Josh Allen's was 22.1%, which was respectable. Uh, but Max Crosby out here with a with a 91.8 grade for true pass sets. Like This is what you're going to expect to see from somebody who is at the very tippity top of the league when it comes to skill. Even looking at his run defense, 7.3 stop percentage with a 90.2 grade. Like This is the best of the best right here. So I don't necessarily think anybody needs to be told to start Max Crosby, but it's always nice to remind people of just number one, how underrated he is. And number two, how talented he is. So I really love this call out. I also want to mention here the the matchup information. This is the number two, the second best matchup for defensive ends. Well, Max Crosby already kicking butt, but in this defense against the Chicago Bears in their turn style of an offensive line against a quarterback that, might I note, is significantly less mobile than Justin Fields. How can you not expect, like, 25 sacks from max crosby this week i don't even know <laughs> i hope so man that that would be sweet uh, 25 sacks obviously would win a lot of people their leagues uh but we're, we'll hope for at least two uh, or two and a half to, to to move that decimal over just a little bit um for for crosby this week and like you said we we don't have to spend like a ton of time on, on obvious guys but there are some fun notes to talk about um for guys like max crosby who should never leave your starting lineup and three straight weeks of 100 percent of snaps plus this matchup is just too fun to ignore so um Anybody else on the Raiders that uh, you want to touch on? Yeah, this team is unfortunate just because it's it's kind of like Max Crosby and then the other guys. Mm -hmm. I think some people would like a Tyree Wilson update. I have this thing going where every week I kind of give an update on whether or not Tyree Wilson has a true pass at win. <laughs> he finally got one. So now he's up at 2.4% for his win rate, which is better than zero. And it's still probably about as bad as Zayvon Collins, which is another guy I always got to call out as a just being <laughs> terrible in that metric. Um, so he, he continues to remain a guy that's more of a 2024, maybe 2025 prospect. But um, aside from that, man, their secondary is also really odd. I think the safety situation isn't super exciting. Yeah. It's going to be really volatile. Tr Trayvon Merrick, Mar Marcus Epps, like it's going to be tough to pick your weeks. Now, eighth best matchup for safeties. Is this a week? I, I have a really hard time putting the chips in on either of those two guys, but maybe this could be a Nate Hobbs week if he's looking healthy and looking good. I love his usage, getting snaps in the sweet spot, getting snaps in the slot. That's going to increase his tackle efficiency, as I'm sure you know, and that's good things. So it'll be good to see two high-end nickel corners face off against each other, assuming health for both of these guys. Yeah, and you alluded to it, right? Kyler Gordon is the other one there for the Chicago Bears. And yeah, Nate Hobbs is a really fun IDP because he gets that strong usage, but he's he hasn't played since week three. Seems like he's been on the brink the last couple weeks of playing. So hopefully he gets in there in this game. And then Kyler Gordon um, came back last week for the first time. He was on uh, injured reserve as well, but played just 61% of snaps. So potentially limited there. We'll see what the usage is going forward. But he's another one of those corners to kind of keep an eye on that gets uh, ideal alignment and, and could be efficient as a tackler as well. But yeah, as Chicago, look, we've talked about uh, TJ Edwards at the top and, and why we don't need to go into too much detail. This is kind of the whole thing with the Chicago defense, right? Like TJ Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, Jaquan Brisker, these are guys that you're mostly starting um, in, in every league. Jaquan Brisker played like 50% of his snaps in the box last week, something ridiculous like that. So 
You love that for him. Um, I, th- I think that'll continue, or at least close to it, because um, he's another one of those guys that fits that role. And the Raiders' passing attack uh, doesn't necessarily scare you too much with Aiden O'Connell back there, but they do have some good re- receivers. But anybody else on Chicago that uh, that you'd want to touch on? Yeah, nobody exciting. There are definitely some players I want to touch on real quick. Obviously, mm-hmm. we just got Eddie Jackson back from injury, and then he got another injury, and so we saw more Elijah Hicks filling in for him at the deep safety position. This isn't a great matchup for safeties, 25th best, so I'm not rushing to throw Elijah Hicks in. And, I mean, Jaquan Brisker's usage is too good not to start him. I want to give some context here for just how bad this defensive line is. Your two starting edges, Demarcus Walker and Yannick Ngakwe. Demarcus Walker, definitely the better of the two, is at 11.8% in that win rate. And Yannick Ngakwe is at 6%, which is pretty bad. Even looking at the run stop percent, Demarcus Walker is at 3.3%. Yannick Ngakwe is at a slightly more respectable 6.3%, but is not very respectable. This defensive line is not pressuring the quarterback. They're not converting sacks. The only player that you can ever really rely on is maybe Demarcus Walker, and that's only in ideal matchups. If you find yourself starting Yannick Ngakwe, seek help. If you need somebody <laughs> to talk to, you can hit me up on Twitter. I will give you some counseling and talk you away from the edge. Yeah, and I'm sure a few other edge streaming options who are potentially better options as well than, than Yannick Ngakwe, Demarcus Walker, because, yeah, like you said, the Chicago defensive line just hasn't been good. I believe as a unit, they're ranked as the last. Um, they have the, the last place pass rush grade as a unit um, this season so far, so not good. Uh, there is an offensive line that is good, and that is the Cleveland Browns, and they are facing off against the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, where do you want to start with this one? Yeah, man, the Cleveland Browns. Can we just talk about Miles Garrett? We did it with we did it with Max Crosby in the last yeah. one. So I feel like it's good to take some time. This is why I don't like fantasy football. I can I just start with this because I love good players and there is so much more to football than simply the stats that show up on, you know, on the box score at the end of the game. There are people out there that legitimately think Miles Garrett had a bad game simply because he didn't score as many fantasy points as they wanted. And I just want to caution people away from thinking like that simply because there's much more to it. And unfortunately, fantasy football kind of prioritizes the box score stuff. But Miles Garrett is continuing to be an absolute stud. You want to talk about true pass set win rates? 31.3% for Miles Garrett. And even run stop percent, he's, uh, he's at 6.7% which is, it is what it is. Um, he's he's known as a pass rusher and a guy that's going to sack the quarterback. And against the Colts, we'll see. We'll see how things look. They're 28th against defensive ends, but mm-hmm. we're going to have a different quarterback situation. Anthony Richardson, as we know now, unfortunately, is done for the season. He's going to get shoulder surgery. So that means we've got Gardner Minshew, who is definitely not as difficult to take down as Anthony Richardson. So we could see Miles Garrett actually convert on his pass rush wins, but make no mistake, Miles Garrett is not getting like, you know, steamrolled and, and stopped on every single snap. Dude is causing havoc on basically every single play. And it's just a matter of time before he converts on that. Sometimes he's going to have a down week and that's what happens. 
Yeah, no, you don't panic on Miles Garrett. And I think we got to get you into an all 22 uh, league here, Evan, because I think you'd appreciate that more. It doesn't focus on the box score, but focuses more on exactly what the players are doing and uses PFF grade for for fantasy scoring. So um, anybody that's interested in that, check those guys out at all 22 underscore PFF on Twitter. Um, but they, they've created a really fun game over there where, yeah, it doesn't rely on box score, but for IDP, it does. And look, Miles Garrett, I'm not panicked. He, like you said, he's got a decent matchup this week against uh, Gardner Minshew he'll be facing off against Bernard Raymond Raymond um Raymond's been great but he did face his toughest opponent last week in Josh Allen and allowed a sack and five pressures in that one so this is going to be a even harder test like you said um than Josh Allen it's Miles Garrett who did play well against Trent Williams he just didn't get the sack so um we will expect Miles Garrett to kind of bounce back obviously um the other thing on the the Brown side of things, their linebackers obviously have been a, a hot mess this season, but Anthony Walker did suffer a concussion last game. And what we've seen is usually a player that suffers a concussion one week does not play the next week. Um, so I think Anthony Walker will be out, which means that Sione Takitaki uh, for those deeper leagues would be a potential play here moving into that LB2 spot probably around 70% of snaps or so. Uh, the Colts have been a top 10 team in allowing tackles to the linebacker position this season. So again, anybody that needs a bye week fill-in or an injury fill-in in those deeper leagues, Sione Takitaki could be somebody of interest. Obviously, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa also um, an option there and, and the better option of the two, but Takitaki definitely an option as well. Absolutely. This defense has been really frustrating for linebackers. And the worst part is, it's working, which yeah. is so tough because, right, they're playing really well. Their defense is one of the best in the league, and they're playing consistently well, which is even more impressive. But I don't like the fact that Jeremiah Wusukormo is getting like 60, 70, 80% of snaps, and then the other two guys, Anthony Walker and Sione Takitaki, are just kind of splitting time between the two of them. It makes it really difficult to trust anyone for fantasy, but if there was going to be a week where you would throw one of these guys into your starting lineup – this would probably be the week with now two guys. Now, I guess maybe the follow-up question here is, do we expect Taki Taki to just, you know, absorb those vacated snaps? Or do we expect to see somebody like a Tony Fields or a Matthew Adams just kind of replace the Anthony Walker usage? Yeah, I think that they're they're they love their rotations over there. I think Taki Taki will move up the depth chart a little bit, like into the Walker role, but it's not going to be a full time role. I think you're going to see those guys, uh, Matthew Adams, Tony Fields, in the mix as well. So that'll be frustrating as well. Again, this isn't a group that hasn't that has been you know great at tackle efficiency either. Again, guess what? They're the most man heavy defense in the NFL, so that does not help them, um, especially when they're not playing full time roles. So. Another thing to kind of keep in mind there, but again, for those deeper leagues, um, you, you may want to consider somebody uh, like a Taki Taki or a JOK um, in this matchup. Um, let's go to the Colts side of things. Anything you want to start with uh, for Indianapolis? Yeah, um, the Cleveland Browns, their defense, or I guess their offense as a matchup is the number one best matchup in points generated for defensive tackles, which is just in time for Grover Stewart. Oh, Nope, he got suspended. <laughs> that's a real shame. So I guess really the only guy that's going to get to appreciate this really, really, really juicy matchup is it's going to be, uh, I'm already spacing. DeForest <laughs> spacing Buckner. Guys names. Thank you, DeForest Buckner. I know football, you guys. Trust me. <laughs> um, so it's obviously going to be a really, really nice matchup for him. I'll pull up some, some of those pass rush metrics here in a sec. Uh, but DeForest Buckner, he's looking at 
a 16.7 pass rush win rate, which is impressive in a vacuum, but also taking into account the fact that he's not playing outside the tackle. He's got 145 snaps over tackle, 111 snaps in the B gap, seven snaps in the A gap. It's harder to pressure the quarterback on the interior of that defensive line, which just gives even more weight to the fact that he's getting wins. And in a matchup like this one, I can imagine that he's going to absolutely eat. Yeah, that, that's a great call. I, I love the matchup data there. And yeah, DeForest Buckner has been awesome. Um, there's no doubt about it. It's just a bummer. Grover Stewart, I think, suspended six games. So he is going to be out a while. I don't necessarily think one player is going to kind of absorb all of Grover Stewart's snaps because he played a ton. Um, you know, Taven Bryan is there. I think maybe there's potential for Deo Odeingbo um, to kick inside a little bit and play a little bit more inside the tackle. So um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that one. So you don't necessarily want to run out and grab the next Colts defensive tackle. Hopefully we could find another one. Evan mentioned Brian Brzee earlier as well. So um, the other thing with the Colts is Shaq Leonard returned last week. Um, he, he only missed one game and immediately pushed EJ Speed right back down the depth chart. So this was a situation that we've talked about a few times now on this podcast in how the Colts are deploying these guys. That did not change this week with Shaq Leonard back healthy. Um, I say that in quotations because who knows how healthy he actually is. Um, But EJ Speed played all the obvious passing downs and Shaq Leonard played all the early downs, right? First and second down um, for the most part. So there's always going to be more early downs than third downs. That's just how numbers work. So as long as this deployment remains, Leonard is going to be the clear IDP option over EJ Speed. But we've talked about it before, too. Shaq Leonard does not look like the same player. He is banged up and not moving the same. So there's potential that he's hurt again and and loses snaps or, or misses time. So EJ Speed, probably one of those guys, if you can afford to hold him on your roster, you probably should. Absolutely. As far as linebacker handcuffs go, he's probably the most valuable in all of football. I can't really think of a guy that's that's going to be more valuable if an injury to a starter occurs. I also want to make a note, this Cleveland offense as a matchup is great for basically every position. It's the fifth best for defensive ends. It's the second best for linebackers, the fifth best for cornerbacks, and the ninth best for safeties. So all of your Colts defenders If you are on the fence about starting them, if they're borderline plays, you can consider this a boost to their production. I think we can see some really, really big spike weeks from some of these guys. And what's interesting with EJ Speed and and Shaq Leonard is, yes, they have a tricky situation where they're both getting use and it's not quite enough, but it is theoretically possible that they both have a good game. Now, I'm by no means going to gamble on that, but in a matchup as good as this one with players that are getting enough volume, this could be decent. I mean, if you think about a guy like Christian Roseboom, who's seeing anywhere between like 30 and 50 to 60% of snaps, maybe even more, it's like he doesn't need a ton of snaps to get use. And so if you see that as as many snaps as EJ Speed's going to get, like who's to say he can't be more efficient than Christian Roseboom? So no hate to Christian Roseboom, but <laughs> EJ Speed is a better player in my opinion. Yeah, it's a good call. And the Colts defense is one of the better ones for at least linebacker tackle efficiency. Very zone heavy defense over there in Indianapolis. So something to consider as well, again, for those deeper leagues. Um, Let's move on to Atlanta and Tampa Bay. And man, uh, let's start with the guy who I accidentally, it did not do it on purpose last week, called Dud Dupree. Um, He ends up getting one and a half sacks, uh, but somehow... Did it with a 0% 
pass rush win rate. Oh, and he's done that over the past two weeks. He has a 0% win rate through two weeks. Um, the main thing I would caution here with Bud Dupree, don't chase the production. It, it was a great matchup for him last week against Sam Howell, who is like essentially a sack fetishist at this point. Um, Baker Mayfield has been pretty much the complete opposite of, of that. He has been excellent at avoiding sacks, only five on the ear. Uh, with an 8.2 pressure to sack conversion rate. So uh, not as good of a matchup for uh, old Dud Dupree uh, in Atlanta. So just something to be aware of. Again, he, he's he's my edge 49 this week, so I'm not moving him up because he got one and a half sacks. He did that by Sam Howell basically running into him. Um, so something to, to just monitor there. There is a reason that the Washington Commanders were the number one most advantageous matchup for defensive ends. like, And it was by an order of magnitude. I think is how we like to call it on the uh, the PFF NFL podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was like the gap between first and second was the same between second and 21st as far as points generated for the position. So you move from that now to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as a matchup. They are the 32nd best for defensive ends, which is a fancy way of saying they are the worst. Yeah. And so Bud Dupree is basically going from the best to the worst possible <laughs> matchup here. He had his game. I, I I would be shocked if he had a good game this week. I would be completely shocked. Now, if you did still want to start a defensive lineman, I actually believe the Falcons' interior defensive line is pretty solid, especially when compared mm-hmm. to their edge rushers. And thankfully for them, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the fourth best matchup for defensive tackles. So this could be the game where you start seeing a guy like perhaps David Onyemata or Grady Jarrett have more of a productive game, which, ironically enough, they lead the team in true pass at win rate with Onyemata at 28.3% and Grady Jarrett at 19.0%, which is also impressive considering that they are interior defensive linemen, given the context that I listed earlier. Yeah. Yeah. When in doubt, aim for the good players and Grady Jarrett and David Onyemata, much better players, Bud Dupree with a 0% win rate, not as much. Um, how about the uh, Atlanta linebackers, Evan? Because Nate Landman kind of fluctuating snap share week to week. Sometimes he plays 100%. Sometimes he plays like 80%. Um, How do you feel about Nate Landman kind of rest of season here in Atlanta? I feel okay. I mean, obviously there's the given that he's going to be the guy for the rest of the season. The the snap fluctuation is not ideal, but going from 100% to 80% is way more okay than going from 80% to like 40%. So I'll take that. He's getting enough snaps to make it work. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to the matchup. And this matchup is not ideal. It's the 26th best for linebackers. So I I wouldn't necessarily bump Nate Landman up any higher than his expectation, his mean. But this is a nice defense for tackle and tackle efficiency. I mean, looking at the chart that you have pulled up here, and listeners, go check it out on YouTube if you don't, because this stuff is really interesting. 20.5% tackle efficiency is very, very impressive, especially considering that the league average is much lower than that. What the actual number is, I'm not sure off the dome, it's probably like 12, 13%. Yeah, there we go. So 20.5% is really, really great, obviously. So you love to see that. The usage... I'm not the most concerned about, but at the end of the day, I still think he's like a linebacker four or five, but given a week like this with as many buys as we have, he might need to be a starter for you. Yep. 
Absolutely. I agree. Um, let's go to Tampa Bay here. And the only thing, the only real note I have on Tampa Bay, because we go over this every week, it seems like this is a very uh, straightforward defense. We know who these guys are at this point, but um, it is a nice matchup for Tampa Bay linebackers. And Levante David, I, I have him as LB10 this week. He took advantage of a strong matchup last week as well with a huge game. Um, I guess I'm, I like Devin White this week, but. I'm a little concerned about him. He's kind of been more like Devin Beige, really. He's he's not been as uh, as exciting, kind of bland production, really, outside of week one where he had 12 tackles. He hasn't had more than seven in a game since then. He did have an interception in there, but really low production for him. Do you think this could be a potential bounce back week here uh, for Devin Beige? I mean, Devin White. It's funny, you you were calling him Devin White and then you were using a B name to kind of give him an insult. I thought you were just going to call him Devin Bush, to be honest, <laughs> but that's all right. That's just my Steelers bias showing through. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think this can be a good matchup. Obviously, there's the points generated, which is, I believe, the Falcons as a matchup are the ninth best. But I also want to give a quick shout out to, there is some guy on Twitter who does these, who does these linebacker tackle charts that basically show... You know how many tackles an opposing team generates. I think it's uh, at PFF Macri. So whoever that guy is, put some really cool content out there. Well, as it turns out, the Atlanta Falcons are the sixth best matchup when it comes to linebacker tackles allowed per game, and that was as of week five. So yeah. things may look slightly different, you know, with one more week of data. But let's be honest, it's still going to be a good matchup. So I agree with you. I think Devin Beige can have a slightly better game this week. Um, and I believe this defense is pretty good as far as, um, you know, man coverage, zone coverage, their ability to generate efficient tacklers. Is that the case? Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this is a better defense for that for sure. And yeah, I, I do. Um, I put the chart out, but I don't get a chance to update it until Friday just because that's what my schedule allows. So hopefully we'll, we'll have that in there, but like you said, it's not going to change too much for, for Atlanta's, um, opposing linebacker tackle efficiency. Um, they should still remain as a positive matchup there as well, but anything else for this game that you want to go over or should we go on to our next one? Maybe just lament Ryan Neal for a quick moment. I'm sure there are some <laughs> managers out there who, like me, were really, really hoping for some Seahawks. Ryan Neal, and he just showed up in this defense and was pretty mid. Yeah. I think maybe this is just what happens with safeties. It's volatile, uh, especially when they're moving to a different scheme and a different team. We can't necessarily expect that to carry over one-to-one. So. I would probably be looking elsewhere if there are available safeties as far as guys that are efficient tacklers with great usage and a good matchup. Don't hold on to Ryan Neal. Don't, you know, don't have that sunk cost fallacy of believing that because you invested what you invested in him, you need to hold out until he returns on that investment. It might be time to just let the Viking ship ship sail away and give it its old funeral. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I, I I thought Ryan Neal could have a nice year as well, even going to a new team, but just hasn't really done it. And there are way too many safeties out there to kind of get stuck on one guy. Just go out and find another one. There are plenty of fish in the sea. Um, so let's go on to the Buffalo Bills at the New England Patriots. Um, Evan, where do you want to start uh, with Buffalo and New England? I can't start anywhere aside from the linebacker situation. We got some interesting clarity this past week yeah. when it came to who actually got the usage. I'm not going to lie. I really thought that it would be Tyrell Dodson, but it was Dorian Williams who played 84.4% 4 
of defensive snaps, which, yes, it's not 100%, but it's way better than he did the previous week, and it's way better than what I expected from him. This very clearly shows that he is the leader in the house when it comes to snaps at that linebacker position alongside Terrell Bernard. If you had any doubts about the productivity of this position, just look at what Terrell Bernard has done so far. I understand it's not a carbon copy as far as what we can expect from Dorian Williams, but this defense is pretty productive for linebackers. As for their matchup here, it's not ideal. It's the 25th best, but at the end of the day, you're not picking up Terrell Bernard so that you can start him this week. You're picking up Terrell Bernard because we expect him to be a guy for the remainder of the season. And even in a not great matchup, guys can still absolutely be productive. So while his grades aren't necessarily elite by any means, you shouldn't really be expecting that from him to begin with. And it's a linebacker. So who even cares? They don't need to grade well to score points. Exactly. And then the Bills don't have much of a choice at this point, right? So these guys are going to be out there. I thought it was going to be Tyrell Dodson. Um, we talked about that last week as well, but they went straight to Dorian Williams. Um, like you said, wasn't an every down role, but a lot of the snaps that he didn't play were on that final drive by the Giants where Buffalo was kind of playing a little bit more of a prevent defense and it ended up being a pretty long drive for uh, New York and they were in a hurry up offense as well. So he got kind of stuck on the sideline there for a little bit as well. So uh, not too much to look into there. I think he'll continue in a, in a higher snapshot, closer to that every down roll this week. So like Dorian Williams, I have Bernard, I think, as LB14, Dorian Williams as LB21. So I uh, like these guys quite a bit, um, and I think they could be productive this week. But other than that, in Buffalo, the, the defensive line is a little bit interesting because Von Miller is now back, um, and he's slowly increasing his playing time. Um, getting closer to Leonard Floyd, who's kind of filled in as that edge two in Buffalo while Leonard or while Von Miller was on the uh the PUP list. AJ Epinesa obviously got a lot of people excited um, with his two sack game. He got a sack last week, but Epinesa's really only played uh he only played 27% of snaps last week. That's not somebody you're trusting either anymore. It was nice, the production that you got. If you started him last week, uh, you got lucky. I don't think I would roll that dice again. I think Von Miller's snaps are going to be increasing here going forward. And then obviously Gregory Rousseau is kind of the clear uh, edge one from this group or DL one. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that Von Miller is going to play you know his normal workload from what we usually see from him this week, but it is good to see that he's increasing his workload at least. Yeah, Greg Rousseau being the edge one is reflected in their TPS win rate as well. He's at 18%. Good to see Von Miller already up at 13.3%. I think we can expect that to climb as he gets more comfortable with his ability and his limits because I think Von Miller has always been the kind of edge rusher that likes to push himself to his physical limit. He's been a very bendy, very explosive, athletic, like I'm going to contort myself in a way that most human beings shouldn't be able to. So when that is the way that you win and you're coming off of an injury as severe as the one that he's coming off of, I think your calling card is going to be limited a little bit. So managers that maybe are hoping for Von Miller to be a starting asset for them soon, I would just ask them to have some patience, wait for him to come back and get more comfortable because I do believe that will happen at some point soon in the season. I also want to give a quick call out here to... Uh, the cornerback position, because it's the second best for cornerbacks when they are playing against the New England Patriots. Mm. Teron Johnson had himself quite the game last oh, week, and man. I would encourage managers to ride the fire and continue <laughs> to keep him in their starting lineup because this is also a great matchup. 
Yeah, Teron Johnson was awesome last week. He was a star um, for IDP. And yeah, that's pretty much all of the the interesting things of the Buffalo defense. Everybody else, we again, we know who they are. But let's go on to the New England now. As we know, Matt Judon is uh, injured. He is not going to be playing anytime soon. So what we did see was Anthony Jennings um, come in. And ha- he's been the clear kind of edge one there. And Really not much of a choice for New England because Josh Uche got banged up. Keon White is banged up. There is not a lot of options on this New England defensive line. So, Evan, how much do you trust Anthony Jennings in your lineup, I guess, is the question. I actually trust him quite a bit. And if you don't believe me, just check out my (laughs) starting lineups in the leagues where I've put him in. Because I started him in a couple leagues last week. Now, he didn't have himself an insane game, but... Trust me, I, I am. Uh, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I was really surprised to see his usage two weeks ago after we knew that Judon was injured, because I figured we'd just get more Josh Uche and more Keon White, but we got Anthony Jennings playing above both of them even before they got injured, and then obviously this last week them both getting injured just further solidifies Jennings as the leader in that house. Uh, but what's also interesting is he has a 23.1 TPS pressure rate, and his 11.6% run stop percentage is absolutely not something that you should be looking down upon because that's really, really impressive mm-hmm. to see. And now in a matchup like this against the Buffalo Bills, 31st versus defensive ends, that's what's really tricky here because you want to balance the stable predictive metrics with the weekly matchup metrics. And so I think really at this point, we give him a bump because a lack of competition at his own position but we also give him a dip because of the struggles of the matchup. And that results in about a median expectation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and he could be somebody that, you know, if you're looking for a volume based play that hopefully could fall into some production this week, then, you know, he, he's a fine option. I have him as like edge 39 or something like that. So um, it, it's just your base. You're hoping on, on basically his amount of playing time, allowing for some default production, right? Maybe he falls into a sack there, but it's a tougher matchup. Like you said, against Josh Allen and the bills. Um, anything else on new England w- worth touching on for you? It's always tough to talk about the Patriots because yeah, I don't really trust anything. I, I know we want to get a quick touch on just talking about Jabril Peppers here. I, I'm having a hard time caring, I think is maybe <laughs> the best way to phrase it. I don't want to be disrespectful to Jabril Peppers, but as far as fantasy goes, I need to see consistent production. I need to see reliability. And while he does have great usage, I mean, he's played, let's see, 369. That's 369. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Anyways, he's played 108 snaps in the box so far, 155 snaps at free safety. So he's He's being used all over the field, all over the field, exactly as you'd expect from a safety in a Bill Belichick scheme. But at the end of the day, you need a strong matchup, and this isn't a strong matchup. It's not a poor matchup. It's just kind of mid. So if you were starting Jabril Peppers already, I would say you know look at his median game. Don't look at his spike week and expect that to be the new norm. Look at kind of the middle of what he does, and if that's okay with you then fine. Maybe you can put him in your starting lineup. But I just think there are guys that have more stable usage snap on a week-to-week basis, and I would probably prefer to start them. But maybe you think otherwise, and I'd be curious to hear why. No, it's it's a fair point, right? Because we've seen this with the Patriots defense all the time, and Belichick, the way he rotates these guys, he can pull the rug out at any point. Like, 
Peppers led the safety group in snaps last week at 93%. He had some really good usage, 46% of those snaps in the box. Um, So I don't mind him in those deeper leagues, but there's even leagues where he's listed as, I I think it's RSO, he's listed as a cornerback. So that makes him a lot more interesting as well. But I I do like him enough this week as like a low-end safety two. I think safety 24 is where I have him. So I'm willing to trust him this week, but he's not somebody that I'm holding on to as soon if those snaps fall, because that just shows that Belichick is willing to kind of fluctuate the snaps and playing time for these guys. And you don't want to deal with that all season. So um, Peppers so far, the last couple of weeks has strung together a couple of consistent performances as far as playing time goes and usage. So willing to give him a shot here this week. Uh, if, if it doesn't happen, I would not be surprised either. Like you said, yeah, I'll also add to that. Let's. I'm just going to list out his snap percentages from the first mm-hmm. six weeks, starting in week one, 88 100%, 95%, 100%, 74%, 93%. So there is some variance there, but I also yeah. want to call out his special teams snap. This is coming from PFR, but we got 45, 40, 52, 19, 29, 20. So I am definitely getting way too into the weeds with this one. But is a reduction in special teams snap share potentially a telltale sign that they have bigger plans for him on defense? I think it is. Yeah, I think that would be something to kind of consider, right? You typically want to keep your defensive starters more fresh than your special team players, right? And there's definitely players that play both and and play them in in volume heavy roles. But I think that is fairly telling at least for for how they want to use these two safeties. And like you said, the snap share has been there for Peppers this season. So yeah, I, I don't mind it. It's been it's been a few weeks now, right? So we could potentially trust him um, going forward. But again, be prepared for that rug to come out because Belichick is not afraid to to yank these guys at any given moment. <laughs> Just ask Miles Bryant, um, who uh, JC Jackson came back and immediately uh, went back to being the lead corner over there. So uh, just got to keep your head on a swivel with the Patriots defense. All right, let's go on to the Detroit Lions and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, you know what? Let, let's start with uh, let's start with a Jack Campbell update because we can't talk about the Lions obviously without uh, our friend rookie first round pick Jack Campbell. And last week he had seven tackles. That was great. I think it was second on the team, um, but just fifty two percent of snaps. Again, that that snap share has not been increasing all that much. Derek Barnes, if you think he didn't play um, and Jack Campbell was the LB2, um, don't be confused because Derek Barnes was out there for 79% of snaps uh, and he posted zero tackles. Go figure. So uh, it's not really a sign that Derek Barnes is gone or moved down the depth chart. Derek Barnes was just incredibly inefficient. Jack Campbell was overly efficient. So I don't know about about you, Evan. I'm still not trusting Jack Campbell going forward. I unfortunately am also not starting him or trusting him until I see him at the very least overtake Derek Barnes. Yeah. If I see him with a consistent 70 plus percent snap share, then I'll at least consider it in deeper leagues, but I'm not even starting him in the deepest leagues unless I'm super, super desperate. Like if it's shallow benches, all my other guys are on by and there is nobody on waivers. Fine. I'll take Jack Campbell over like Monty Rice. But I mean, that's not exactly high praise. I'm not setting the bar very high there. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody that does set the bar high, though, is Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher for the Detroit Lions. This guy, 
again, look, another one of those guys you don't panic on. I know he's coming off a quiet game um, in week six. It really changes nothing. This is still an elite edge option. He's got the snap share. He has the pass rush metrics facing off against Lamar Jackson this week, who is top 10 in pressure to sack conversion rate, meaning that he gets sacked a lot more than uh, most quarterbacks at a top 10 rate. That is so still trusting Aiden Hutchinson this week. He is edge five for me. Just wanted to put that out there in case anybody was concerned about him. Yeah, totally agree. This is kind of along the same vein as the Miles Garrett conversation, which is Sometimes good players have down weeks. That's just what's going to happen, especially at the defensive line when you can be schemed out from time to time. Uh, I also want to give a quick note here to the matchup. The Ravens, for what, like three years in a row now at least, have continued to be an incredibly good matchup for opposing linebackers. So no, this is not not necessarily a Jack Campbell take. This is unfortunately is more of a, uh, yeah. you know, a discount Thor. Yeah. <laughs> he has a little more professional nickname. We'll call him with Alex Anceloni, right. but unfortunately I might need to be starting him in a couple leagues. Yeah. Same here, unfortunately. And uh, at least the, the matchup is a positive one for Anceloni. Cause yeah, maybe he comes up with another productive day. He's had a couple of them this season, but typically one of the more inefficient linebackers from the past few seasons. So that's why we don't like him. Um, But yeah, how about on the Baltimore side of things? So the safeties, I think, are probably the most interesting here because Marcus Williams is likely out for this game. He re-injured himself last week on an interception return. He he ran into a guy and just got all kinds of mangled. So um, he's unfortunately looking doubtful for this week. Kyle Hamilton last week got ejected uh, for a helmet to helmet hit and he didn't have great production even at that point in the game. So that was really a bummer to see. The only other guy here is Geno Stone, who is likely to step into a full time role um, again this week if Marcus Williams is going to be out, which it seems like he will. But Stone's been rather productive when he's on the field this season um, in large part due to three interceptions on the year, but he also draws a positive matchup for safety tackle production against the lions this week. So if you're looking for one of those maybe streamable options that you could find off the waiver wire uh, here in week seven, I think Geno stone uh, is, is a decent one. Yeah. I love to see the return of the Easter Island emoji Geno stone. And I honestly (laughs) don't know why I referenced that every time I talk about him, because it's kind of an inside joke where only I know it. So it kind of ruins the point of sharing it, but it's all right. Maybe some people will catch on. Uh, Yes. I love to see him. Kyle Hamilton. I think, there's maybe a couple people, myself, I used to be one of those people that didn't really know why he saw reduction in snaps and poor production. So having the understanding that he got ejected and it was not an injury should restore some confidence in his production going forward. I also want to give a quick note on just kind of the state of this defensive line. Jadevion Clowney is currently leading in TPS win rate. Kyle Van Noy on a limited number of snaps is right behind him. Both of those guys have above a 22% win rate. And then Odafe Owe is at 17.6%. All three of these guys are intriguing, but the way that I say that almost sounds a little too optimistic considering the (laughs) fact that this is against the Lions, which is a really good offensive line, and it's going to be a really heavy rotation. So I'm not exactly like scrambling to throw any of these guys in my starting lineup, but it's nice to know that they at least have some guys that can rush off the edge because I know they have been severely lacking that in the past. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Van Noy, obviously, he was decent last week, came up with the sack. Clowney has kind of held down the fort there while those guys, the other guys were banged up. So that's been nice to see. Uh, I did see Odafe Owe return to practice this week. So that's a good sign that he'll potentially finally get back in the lineup because he did look good in the first week of the season. Um, but unfortunately, just hasn't played very much since then. I would not be playing him this week, though. I think there's at least the potential that he, he's going to be eased back in. And then, like you said, it is not a good matchup for uh, the Ravens defensive line going against that Lions offensive line. So um, I don't know. Is there anything else from this game that uh, that you want to touch on? Well, I just want to make sure that we don't have any people commenting about whether or not they should have started Roquan Smith. So <laughs> let's just cover our bases here. Yeah, you can start Roquan Smith and you can start Patrick Queen. Just yeah. just putting that out there. Yeah, appreciate that, Evan. Uh, <laughs> thank you for make, clarifying that. Uh, let's go on to the Washington Commanders at the New York Giants. Uh, how about this one? This is We got a few interesting names in this game uh, on the IDP side of things. Uh, where do you want to start with Washington and or New York? Yeah, I know we've kind of started with the visiting team first, but the thing I feel like that is most prevalent here on my mind is it, it's something's got to give as far as the unproductive edge rushers versus the the juiciest matchup known to man. And I'm really, really intrigued to see how Kayvon Thibodeau, unfortunately, Aziz Ojulari will not get to participate in this act fest, but Kayvon Thibodeau has been really interesting. He's kind of been on this seesaw of like good predictive metrics, but poor actual production or good actual production, but really poor predictive metrics where he's either getting a lot of pressures, but no sacks or like no pressures, but just happens to get a sack. And I believe last week was one of those unfortunate high pressure, no sack weeks. So maybe this week we see a combination of the two. We see quite a few pressures and those convert into sacks and maybe we see a spike week. But I think I agree with you that the players that I'm most interested in are the guys more so on the interior with Leonard Williams and Sexy Dexy because these guys, I don't have as many doubts about their ability to pressure and convert on those pressures. Yeah, like like you said, um, th- this is a really nice matchup for for pass rushers. Obviously, Sam Howell, aka the uh, the sack fetishist, as as I've been calling him now. Um, but th- there's going to be sacks from this from the Giants. It's it's almost guaranteed. The Giants are also the third highest blitz rate in the league, so they they're going to come from anywhere um, and potentially everywhere. McFadden, Michael McFadden, is another one that has a slightly higher blitz rate than Bobby Okereke among the linebackers. So maybe he gets home this week, but. You touched on it. The one of the guys that I think I like the most this week is Dexter Lawrence. Um, I have him as DT eleven. He's been held without a sack through six games this season, but he's been about as disruptive an interior defensive lineman as there is in the NFL. Lawrence has twenty one total pressures, which is tied for fifth most at the position. He's earned an eighty six point eight pass rush grade, which is the fourth best mark at the position. This is a guy that is due for a sack as far as I'm concerned, and he draws the best matchup in the league to get one. So I'm putting him in lineups um, anywhere that I have him this week, uh, Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, I I totally agree with that call there. Uh, Also, a quick shout out, Micah McFadden. He's back and he is better than ever, or at least as good as he was, which is great (laughs) to see because as a player that was as inexpensive to acquire in fantasy as he was, it's really nice to see him producing at that rate. Is it weird that I kind of feel like he's just Pete Werner, but like somehow different? Like, I don't know why I feel like he's the same. Like, he's a guy that's like between 80 and 100% of snaps. That's a really efficient tackler. That's kind of the number two on the team. But 
just still an exciting guy, or maybe they're just both white. I don't know. <laughs> that could play a part in it as well. But no, it, it, I, I think that that's a decent comp here for McFadden is like Pete Werner of maybe not this year, but of like two years ago, right? Because that that's that was the kind of production we were getting from Pete Werner and almost the same kind of usage. And in a similar-ish defense, at least the way that they've deployed uh, man coverages as well, right? Wink Martindale, uh, very man-heavy scheme. The Saints have always kind of been a man-heavy defense over the past few years. So I, I like I like the call there. I think that makes sense um, for McFadden. And yeah, he's been awesome. He's played over 70% of snaps in all but one game this season. Strong tackle efficiency at 16.2% to help make up for some of those lost snaps as well. So um, he's been overcoming uh, that that defensive scheme and his playing time, which you love to see for guys like that, because uh, you can then put them in your lineup in those deeper leagues and they can be productive. So I do like Michael McFadden. Yeah. I also want to give a quick call out here to the safety situation. Obviously, mm. we have their strong safety, Jason Pinnock, who has his good weeks and his down weeks. I'm looking at this week as more of a down week. It's the 30th best matchup for safeties. So pick your spots. I wouldn't pick this one. Yeah, fair. Um, how about the Washington side of things? So we did see Montez Sweat left last game with an injury. I think it was in the fourth quarter, so he did not return. I don't know what his status is for this week. I'm sure he's questionable right now, but I don't know if that means that he's likely to play. I miss the probable designation, to be honest. Um, I really do, because it just makes things a pain in the ass. Every Wednesday, every player is questionable, essentially. So uh, it's hard to know if Montez Sweat is going to be playing this game, but I did think it was worth bringing up people to kind of pay attention there. You don't necessarily want to pick up the next Washington edge defender, unless it's Chase Young, obviously. But um, like Casey Tuhill or James Smith-Williams, I they're not as interesting. They're volume heavy guys. I know two Hill had the two sacks last week, but not production that you want to chase necessarily. Totally agree. Two Hill had those two sacks on a 0% true pass at win rate, which is <laughs> pretty funny. Yeah. I'll also note James Smith Williams actually had a 15.6% true pass yeah. at win rate, which small sample size. He's only had 35 true pass set snaps as compared to like chase young's 91 or Deron Payne's 105. So take that with a grain of salt. I don't even know if he's going to play more snaps than Casey Tuhill in the event that either guy misses. But I can't talk about the Washington Commanders without, I don't want to say victory lapping because it's more just like slapping people in the face when it comes to talking about <laughs> Chase Young. Like, come on, man. What did you expect? It's Chase yeah. Young. He's at a 28.8 true pass at win rate. He is doing exactly what i expected him to do and this isn't some sort of elevation of my own opinions this is straight up like chase young was an incredibly good football player coming out of college he got taken with the second overall pick he did really well his rookie year then he got injured then he took a really long time to get back from injury now he's back and oh my gosh it's like people are shocked that he's playing really good football and i don't know why yeah, a lot of people were writing him off way, way too early. I, he, sometimes you just can't do much about the injury thing, right? And injuries happen to every single NFL player. And for Young, it just happened early in his career and at, in consecutive seasons as well. Hopefully he's got that out of the way now and it's not a, a thing going forward because, yeah, we, we love the talent. We love the opportunity here that the playing time is there. All the pass rush metrics are there. I'm absolutely with you. I, I still like Chase Young a lot this offseason and got him quite a bit and now is somebody that has definitely been a startable IDP every single week now. And you still like him, especially this week going against the Giants. 
I have a couple questions about just confusing situations that I would like some clarity on because <laughs> okay. there's only so much that I can comprehend sure. just from looking at game logs, looking at the PFF stats. So their safety situation has been really funky and their corner situation has been really funky. And I think the driving force behind this was Derek Forrest getting injured. Because of that, Percy Butler stepped in to play more snaps, but we're also finally seeing some Jartavius Martin, just not very much. So I'm kind of trying to figure out like, why is Jartavius Martin not playing more? We also saw the benching of Emmanuel Forbes, I believe. Mm -hmm. So there's just so many things moving around here. Like, yes, Cameron Curl is great. Obviously, he's going to be a mainstay part of this defense. And I know their linebackers are like, I believe if I'm correct here, it's like Cody Barton plays more snaps, but he's less efficient. Jamin Davis plays fewer snaps, but he's more efficient. So they're kind of about the same between the two of them. But like, what is happening here? And as somebody who is in, as invested in Jartavius Martin as I am, can we see more of him, please? <laughs> it would be nice. I, I I I wasn't as excited about Martin as as some people that this offseason. I just think he's he seems to be more of like that nickel corner type is how they view him. And they had some options in there that they could potentially play. That the Emmanuel Forbes benching was surprising to me as somebody that they spent high draft capital on the, this offseason. But uh, I guess he hasn't played well for them. I haven't paid too much attention to Emmanuel Forbes this year, but um yeah, Jartavius Martin, he is a fun player. I, I definitely do like that about him. I just didn't know that the opportunity would be there in year one for him, um, especially if it was going to be at, at safety. But um, I think the potential is there if they move him into that nickel corner role, which I think Danny Johnson was the guy playing that role last week. Um, so it's not like a, not a household name by any means, even though it maybe is like a very common name in the world and it's probably in a lot of households. Um, so Danny Johnson, I don't know that, that he's, you know, bound for that role all season long and, and potentially there's room for the rookie Jatavius Martin to kind of come up the depth chart there. But yeah, I, it's uh, Derek Forrest. Obviously that was a bummer. Percy Butler, going to be the more deep safety guy i think it was like 78 percent, something like that last week so uh, it's really cameron curl for me that that that's the main one it, that that usage is just incredible for for cameron curl so i i, I will be putting him in every single lineup and he's going to be a top five safety for me um in the rankings as well 37 grade for emmanuel forbes still yeah. one of the worst draft picks in the first round in my opinion but Oof. i think we're probably about ready to move on <laughs> Yeah, not great. Um, and then you did touch on the uh, the Washington linebackers already. So we don't have to spend too much time with those guys either. It is nice to see that uh, Jamin Davis is increasing his workload a little bit. But Cody Barton, I don't think has missed a snap all year. So um, you could trust both of those guys this week. They have a decent matchup. But before we go on to the rest of the games, I do want to give a quick shout out to um, Prize Picks. Uh, Prize Picks is a skill based, real money daily fantasy sports game. How does it work? You pick two to six players. If they will go more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. So, Evan, last week we went 2-0 and on our picks. I believe we had Jose Jewell over, I think it was seven and a half tackles. And then we had uh, Patrick Queen over seven total tackles. So we hit on both of those. We're undefeated so far in the IDP props for prize picks. We don't have that many to choose from this week. Maybe we broke the prize pick system with um, getting everybody to bet those those uh, <laughs> those props. I'd like to think that's the reason, but it is also early in the week. So there's probably more still to come um, in the next couple of days. So I do see one on here that kind of stands out. Marcus May uh, is set at five and a half total tackles. 
I'm going with the under for Marcus May, five and a half tackles on Thursday night, playing against the Jags, who have been well below average in tackles to the safety position per game. Um, how do you feel about that one? Is that it's, it's five and a half is not a high number, but I'm I'm still going with the under there. It's always scary betting the under. I'm always an yeah. overbitter guy. It's like if I know it's an overbit, <laughs> I'm going to take it. If I don't, then I'm just going to move on. But I totally agree. The process absolutely makes sense. And I think at the end of the day, that's all you can really trust. Like, okay, great. If he has a spike week and we happen to miss, it's fine. Increase your sample size, increase your exposure to multiple props and multiple players, you know, kind of set things up in a way that ultimately at the end of the day, if your process is good, you're going to profit. And I think this is a good process. I like it. So if you don't like unders, you're going to love this next one because I also have Rashad White under 51 and a half rushing yards. Um, If you want to know why, you can check out the PFF offensive line, defensive line matchup article, but it basically has to do with Tampa's offensive line being the fourth worst in the league in run blocking and the Falcons defensive line being top five in run defense. So um, something to consider there if you're interested in putting some um, prize picks picks in. Uh, at prize picks you aren't competing against other people it's just you versus the projection so go to prizepicks.com slash fantasy and use code fantasy for a first deposit match up to 100 again that's prizepicks.com slash fantasy and use code code fantasy for a first deposit match up to 100 all right let's go on to the arizona cardinals and the seattle seahawks um First thing to start with here, I guess, is not that Kyler Murray has been activated off of IR or his practice window is open, but Buda Baker uh, has seen his practice window open as well, coming off the injured reserve. So he is eligible to potentially return this week. We'll see. I think it seems pretty likely. So Kayvon Wallace has kind of filled in um, for him and he's played an every down role. He's had really strong usage. He would potentially lose that every down role, assuming that Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson are both in the lineup. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Kayvon Wallace is dead in any way because they were were happy to use Kayvon Wallace in that first week of the season with all three safeties out there. And that strong usage continued for Kayvon Wallace. So just something to keep in mind. If you've been using Kayvon Wallace, you could still potentially be using him. And, and Buda Baker would be somebody to consider off the waiver wire as well. Yeah, really what this is, is just going to hurt everybody that's starting mm-hmm. Andre Sachere or Sachere because, yeah. you know, I know he's been, cha-cha-cha, yeah. <laughs> because I know, you know, so many people, so many people have been relying on him in their starting lineups, but <laughs> um, yeah, he's going to get pushed back down onto the bench. And speaking of safeties, I really shouldn't, I really shouldn't be switching between teams. We should keep it at mm-hmm. one team and the other team, but I can't, Go I can't contain it. my excitement that <laughs> Jamal Adams is finally back. Yeah. Uh, I had an, unhealthily high exposure to him in these uh, best ball drafts that we did over the off season. And uh, finally I can, I can see some return from that investment. I think the biggest implication here is just Julian love snap share. You have here dipped all the way down to 44.4%. And I expect that to continue to go down as Jamal Adams gets more accustomed to playing in this defense. I don't think 85.2% of defensive snaps is his ceiling. I think this is, him easing himself back in, I think he could very well end up back at 100% or very near to it. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. And it does seem like they want to deploy Jamal Adams like he's Jamal Adams, right? He's He played 85% of snaps, but he also saw 39% of those snaps in the box, only 26% deep. He had a couple of blitz attempts in there. He got a QB hit as well. Um, even in the first game where he only played like four snaps or whatever it was, he had a pressure on one pass rush attempt. So 
potentially could get back to his his sack potential as well and production there. Um, so you do like that about Jamal Adams. I have him as safety 16 this week um, because I am trusting that he is going to see his workload kind of increase. And unfortunately, it does push Julian Love way down in Snapshare and down in the IDP rankings as well to the point where he's probably not even a startable asset at this point um, in the season. I just dropped him in our dynasty league. I don't know if you saw yeah, that, but I did you better not. You better not add him to your team. If you do, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be a little concerned. Uh, jumping back over to the Cardinals real quick. This is against the Seahawks, a pretty bad matchup for basically every position except for a linebacker and defensive end. Now, obviously, you're going to start Kaiser White. Aside from him, there's nobody that I'm uber excited about. I mean, you're going to get limited snaps from the number two, but. Uh, as far as defensive ends go, I had no idea that they they released um what's his oh, name? Marge Sanders. Yeah, Marge Sanders. That's that's surprising. So he's he's gone, but I don't really look at that as you know anything super positive for any of the defensive linemen here on this team. I'll actually look up some of their more stable predictive metrics while we, you know, kind of discuss some other things. But yeah. actually I've got him right here. BJ Ojolari is at 25% TPS win rate. Dennis Gardex at 20% TPS win rate. I don't know why it doesn't feel like that. Maybe I just don't care, but this defensive line is just uninspiring. It is. And and both of those guys too, really not getting the snaps either on a weekly basis. So snap shares way down. So it's, it's strong numbers, but small sample size. It's hard to kind of trust really anybody. I think the guys that are playing a lot for the, the Cardinals edge, it, they're just not doing anything. You, you talked about Zayvon Collins at the top and his really poor win rate um, and, and production has been fine but he's really kind of fluked into a lot of that production. I think we're going to see that kind of level out for the rest of the season. And if it levels closer to what his pass rush metrics are, then we're just, we're not trusting him at all in, in IDP lineup. So that's definitely something there. And then you mentioned the linebackers. Kaiser White absolutely is somebody that you can start on a weekly basis. And I would keep an eye on Josh Woods, potentially losing some snaps there if uh, Buda Baker is back and they prefer to use Kayvon Wallace a little bit more in the box and go to more of a three safety one linebacker look uh, for the, the Cardinals there. So something else to kind of watch for this week. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, all right, let's move on to your Pittsburgh Steelers going up against the Los Angeles Rams. Where do you want to start with this one? Uh, your notes here are hilarious. We'll get into that in a little bit. I feel bad. I, I get introed as, as the Steelers fan, and then I get to talk about their defense, and I'm like, um, well, I do they're it to linebackers. <laughs> on the offensive show, I, I make Kate talk about their their running backs and, and Matt Canada's offense, so don't feel too bad. Okay, I can live. I would much rather prefer to talk about their defense than talk about their <laughs> offense. That is for sure. So yeah, the linebackers are really boring. Um, I guess I don't want to say all the things. We can have a little bit more of a deeper discussion, but the linebackers are really boring. Everybody in the secondary that's not named Mika Fitzpatrick is really boring. They just released Desmond King, which is a real bummer because – I thought he was yeah. going to be a valuable addition to that team, but apparently not. So I don't really know why they 
added him in the first place. Uh, and then TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, those guys are really, really interesting. I just remembered Cameron Hayward exists, which is a very weird thing to say as a Steelers fan, but I have to imagine that he's gearing up to return at some point in the near future. So that could be, you know, in your shallower leagues, maybe check your waiver wire if you're looking for somebody on the interior there too. Yeah, Cameron Hayward, I know he's on IR. I don't think it was like the regular like short four-week IR stint that they were expecting from him. It was a bit longer. So yeah, hopefully I think it was back. groin surgery. Okay. So yeah, he's he's probably, yeah, maybe November, late November-ish. We're looking at him, maybe. Um, but yeah, when he comes back, you definitely want to keep an eye out for that as somebody to add off the waiver wires for those leagues that don't have IR spots because one of the best defensive tackles in the league and yeah, the, 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 I mean, TJ Watt, obviously we're starting him again. We don't have to talk about the guys that we're obviously starting, but this Rams offensive line, um, they, they struggle against strong pass rushers, right? They, they do fine against the kind of mid pass rushers, but when they face really good pass rushers like TJ Watt, um, they do struggle and TJ Watt, I'm sure is going to make a mess along with Alex Highsmith this week, but Yes, the, the linebackers, oh God, it, it is a mess. You probably like Cole Holcomb enough to trust him on a week like this. He's been playing 90% of snaps in back-to-back weeks, so that's at least a positive sign, but we do see those numbers kind of fluctuate from time to time here. Uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think there's like a ton to talk about. Why don't we talk about the Rams? Um, anything on the Rams that you want to start with? Yeah, I mean, Ernest Jones is just such an incredible like i don't even know how to describe this he's great he's fun yes. i'm glad that we get to play him it's been fun to watch the journey from the nfl draft him getting drafted to the rams him having really weird usage his first year dealing with uh you know all the other guys that were in the, in the defense trying to earn out and then finally eventually getting the job and then playing behind Bobby Wagner and now finally it's his role nobody's coming for him i have zero concerns about Christian Roseboom or right. uh, I, I can't even remember the name of the other guy like it's him Jake Hummel there we go Jake thank Hummel. you <laughs> it's it's going to be Ernest Jones and as long as he's healthy obviously we have Written here, he was limited in week six, so we'll see what his injury status looks like for game time. He's a guy that you just set and forget. He's an every week player. Yeah, he, he's been awesome. And th- this is a great defense for him to kind of thrive in as, as a linebacker for IDP. So um, he's my LB8 this week, but there there is at least maybe some hesitance there. I might push him down a little bit depending on how practice reports go this week because he was limited all week last week with that knee swelling uh, and did only play 78% in week six as, as a result. He was still productive, um, but it is something to kind of be aware of. I think, you know, if he's healthy, if practice reports are going well, I'll probably keep him in that LB one range. But if it seems like he's fairly limited, then I might push him down a little bit just this week um, in in, in the chance that they limit him because of the knee swelling at all. Um, The only other thing with the Rams I think is interesting is Byron young um, or, or Michael Hoyt. Who do you have a preference for these LA Rams edge rushers on which one you would rather start on a weekly basis. Cause both these guys are getting a ton of snaps. Both have had their productive weeks. So I, I'm curious if you have a, a preference for either one of them. Yeah, I actually do have a preference. It's, it's Byron young. Um, his basically every metric when it comes to pass rushing is superior, if not far superior to Michael Hoyt. I think the first one is the true pass at win rate. Young is at 15.5%. 
Michael Hoyt is at 14.3%. So not a massive difference as far as true pass at win rate. Um, but if we look at their true pass at grades, as far as pass rushing goes, uh, Byron Young's at 86%, sorry, not percent, just 86.1 grade versus a 65.2 grade. And they have played basically the same number of pass down snaps. Young's at 209, Hoyt's at 204. But what they're doing on those snaps is different because Byron Young has played 179 of those as a pass rusher versus Hoyt's 131. So basically 85% of Byron Young's passing down snaps, he's rushing the quarterback versus Michael Hoyt's, he's only doing it 64% of the time. So that was a really long-winded way of saying, yes, I prefer Byron Young. <laughs> no, I, I'm with you. I, I'm, a, I'm a Byron Young guy over Hoyt as well. Um, Steelers as well, ranked 31st in pass blocking grade um, as a unit this season with 34.3. Kenny Pickett, 18.2% pressure to sack conversion rate. So it's not like super high. It's not really low. It's about league average. Um, but Young, he's like you said, he's played a ton averaging 87% of defensive snaps through the first six games of the year. Um, he's totaled three sacks, eight QB hits, 21 total tackles, also second on the team behind only Aaron Donald in pass rush grade um, and total pressures. So I like the matchup here for Byron Young. Again, you're looking for somebody who potentially could be a streamer. If he's out there on waivers, you, you, you got bi-week problems, injury problems. Byron Young could be a perfectly suitable uh, fill-in this week. I have him as edge 24. Um, all right, let's go to the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. So this one should be a pretty fun game, but I got to start with, with Derwin James, who really, really quiet on Monday Night Football. I think he only had three total tackles, something like that, two assists, only one solo. He is coming off uh, a hamstring injury, which I think is important to kind of note here. They, I know they had the bye week the week before, but potentially not fully healthy yet. Um, but the usage, it's been fine. It's not amazing. I'm not overly concerned about Derwin James. Um, obviously, the, the 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 player, the talent, the utilization is all there for him. I leave him in my safety one spot. I, again, I do that for the brand, not necessarily because I think he's going to finish a safety one uh, every week. I'm not in rankings competitions or anything like that, so I don't care. But um, I, I leave Derwin James as my safety one um, pretty much every week. So how about you? Any concern about Derwin James after that quiet Monday Night Football game? Not a single bit. Not even a little bit. Not even the smallest amount. He's... What are you going to do? Are you going to sit him on your bench? No, you're not. Like, it's Derwin freaking James. No, yeah. like, yeah, there's no concerns whatsoever. I'm, I'm, yeah, no, no problems. All right. Love it. Yeah. Um, I like to see the confidence there. That, that makes me feel better as well. Um, Kenneth Murray is the other kind of storyline here because, again, coming out of the bye week last week, Eric Kendricks, we kind of thought that he would be the guy to go back to that 100% snap roll, but it wasn't the case. Eric Kendricks was actually the part-time guy. He was the secondary linebacker. I think it was um, 83% of snaps. Kenneth Murray stayed in the 100% snap role. So Kenneth Murray is going to be a, a choice to pick over Eric Kendricks as long as that continues. I have him in the rankings ahead of Eric Kendricks as well. So did this surprise you at all? Were you expecting Kendricks to be the 100% guy? Or were you thinking, um, were you feeling pretty good that Murray was going to hold the role? I was pretty confident that Eric Kendricks would step into that full-time role so much so that I, I put a prop down for him to get over eight tackles and he got eight tackles, which 
kind of pissed me off because I bet if he played every snap, he probably would have got that because Kenneth Murray was about there. So, yeah, that was surprising. I would like to see at least one more week of this consistent usage before I like commit to actually believing that as a thing going forward. But at least for the short term, it should give you some confidence in Kenneth Murray at the very least. Like I'm not looking at Eric Kendricks as like, oh, this is a big downgrade per se. Like it is a downgrade, but it can things can only get better for him. And that is for Kenneth Murray, like it shows that the team has some confidence and trust in him, which is a lot more than I expected of them, to be honest. So <laughs> that's good to see. So really, it's just it's an OK situation for both of them. Both guys are startable and and that's good to see. I like it. Yep, that's a good way to say it. Um, the other thing for the Chargers was Joey Bosa is still limited, it seems, with that hamstring injury, played fewer than 50 percent of snaps on Monday night. Um that is concerning. This part of it is I I am concerned for Joey Bosa. Um, again, he's going against Mahomes as well, who has the best pressure to sack conversion rate in the league at 7.2%. So don't love that for Joey Bosa. I still one of the elite pass rushers in the league, but the lower snap share plus the matchup isn't an ideal one for me for Joey Bosa. But again, it's one of those weeks where maybe you can't afford to be picky. Yeah, I agree. And to give at least some comfort to managers here, Joey Bosa has a 20.5% TPS win rate, and his run-stop rate is actually really impressive at 10.8%, second only to the ascended Tuli Tuipulotu, which is really, really cool to see. So congrats to that guy. Somehow he's – well, not somehow. I know why. He's been climbing up the Defensive Rookie of the Year rankings, which is pretty cool to see. I don't really expect him to win it, but it's just good to see him showing up there with a 71 defensive grade overall in the course of the season. And last week he hit – what did he hit? A 90 defensive grade, which is just so cool. So I do think his usage will probably go down a bit as Joey Bosa gets healthy. But on the other hand, his production and him being so good – doesn't really mean that the team needs to force Joey Bosa back. They can, they can afford to be kind of slow with it because they know the drop off between him and the next guy on the field isn't as drastic as maybe they had anticipated. Yeah. And and he's dealt with so many injury things in the, in the past. I'm sure they'd rather keep him fresh and limited rather than lose him for, for multiple games uh, in a season. So it could continue a little bit more with that limited role for Joey Bosa, depending on how that hamstring is doing. But Let's go to the Kansas City Chiefs side of things and let's talk about what else the linebackers over there. Um, Nick Bolton did not play an every down role in uh, week six on Thursday night football, but he only came off the field for one drive. That's all it was. Everything outside of that one drive where he missed the entire um, entirety of the defensive plays, he played 100% of snaps on every other drive. So there's like at least a tiny bit of concern that puts a dent in where he should be ranked or can or, or held in regard going forward. But I think there's still potential that he could be an every down guy. I don't think it's worth trusting drew tranquil um, despite his six tackles and, and sack game. He played just 37% of snaps. 
Nick Bolton, people have been frustrated by the tackle efficiency a, a little bit in, in recent weeks that he's played. Again, this is a man-heavy defense, top five in the league in man coverage rate, right? So something to kind of keep in mind there um, for that uh, defense. This They weren't as man-heavy last year, so um, that could potentially be factoring into Nick Bolton's um, production as well. And the Chargers uh, are not a good matchup for linebacker tackles, so we could see Potentially that come up with Austin Eckler back, but they haven't been a, a good matchup over the past few weeks. So how are you feeling about these Chiefs linebackers, Steve Spagnolo and company potentially playing games with us here a little bit? Yeah, man, I think this is a good example of why we don't invest heavily into linebacker in fantasy. Uh, you look at the difference between Nick Bolton and I'm trying to think like who's a good example of a guy that's going really late or went really late in drafts like a Kaiser white, maybe, mm-hmm. or an Aziz Al Shire. Like maybe that's not the perfect comparison, no, but the is. point here is, is just that, that Nick Bolton disappointing is only a disappointment because of how hyped he was going into the season. And I understand, I get it. This is not an accusation of people misvaluing him. Like, he did great last year. He was a really, really good football player. I still think he's a good football player today, but that's not everything. Snaps are important. Efficiency is important. Defensive scheme is important. Regression to the mean is important. And unfortunately, all of those things are hitting him in the negative direction. So that's just what's going to happen. And that's why I think it's more valuable to invest your chips into players that are going to be more stable at like defensive line, for example. Um, but as far as what we can expect from him going forward, I think if you just throw out his obviously injured games and you throw out this game and you just look at the games that he has played 100% of snaps and played healthy, average those out, that's probably what we can expect from him. I don't think this defense is going to change their man call rate, but you know, getting one more drive of snaps should help him a little bit. Yeah. I'm with you. Um, let's go. Uh, what? Okay, actually, you know what? One more thing for Kansas City I do want to talk about is that Charles Amenehu, um, their edge rusher that they brought in this offseason, is eligible to return from suspension this week. So they should have him back after a six-week absence. Mike Dana played 90% of snaps last week, and, and George Karloftis is playing a heavy role. There's potential now that Charles Amenehu, who has been a productive pass rusher in the past on limited snaps, but he, he at least has decent pass rush metrics in his career um, to kind of work into the mix here. And they they could use another uh, strong pass rusher. So Charles Amenehu potentially um, could be a factor going forward. Again, maybe somebody in those deeper leagues you might consider adding off waiver wires, maybe not for this week necessarily, but um, as somebody who could emerge as their top um, edge defender going forward. Yeah, I agree with you there. I'm I'm very excited to see what he can add to this defense. I don't want to say this defense has been desperate for edge rushers because they have mm-hmm. done pretty well for themselves so far as far as just having guys on the edge that can create pressure. George Karloftis, Mike Dana, like you said, Chris Jones on the interior. Yeah. Oh my goodness, this dude is at a 25.9% <laughs> TPS win rate. Good Lord. Even yeah, George yeah. Karloftis at 20%. Like That's impressive stuff. We've seen previously from Charles O'Menehue, I mean, as recently as 2022, he had a 75.6 pass rush grade the year before. He had an 82.3 pass rush grade. I don't think this guy is a jag. I don't think he's just a filler dude. I think he's going to step in and be a productive member of this defense, and that should spell good things for everyone, except maybe Mike Dana, simply because his snaps will probably dip. 
Yeah, it's definitely, we should expect to see a dip for Mike Dan. I don't think 90% is going to be sustainable for him with a many hue back. So yeah, well said there, Evan. Um, All right, let's go on to Green Bay and Denver. Uh, Anything in this game that you want to start with uh, for the Packers or the Broncos? Yeah, man, what do I want to start with here? Um, Let's look at their matchups. So against the Denver offense, It's 26th for defensive tackles, 29th for defensive ends, 5th for linebackers, and 26th for safeties. So the simple way of looking at this is just good number is good. And (laughs) I'm looking at linebackers. I know this is some elite analysis you're getting from me. I'm looking at their linebackers. I'm looking at Quay Walker. I'm looking at Devondre Campbell. What's his injury status looking like? I don't remember off the dome if he played last week or not. Oh, they were on bye last week. Yeah, they were on a bye last week and... I don't know that he's necessarily cleared or anything like that. I haven't seen too much on him um, this week. Quay Walker, that is. Devondre Campbell was already hurt. So if, hopefully one of them plays and then we could potentially plug in Isaiah McDuffie. And hopefully we don't have to play uh, Isaiah McDuffie and Eric Wilson. Um, if both of them are out, that would not be good for the Packers or for anybody. So I don't know exactly Quay Walker's. It is a Wednesday, so it's early in the week, but um, he would be definitely one worth monitoring going forward. Um, Same thing with Devondre Campbell, because you could start those guys for sure as long as they're healthy. As of four hours ago, now we're recording this on Wednesday night, Devondre Campbell trending towards sitting out on Sunday, and Quay Mm -hmm. Walker still hobbled by knee, limited participant in practice on Wednesday today. So maybe we just make a little... Prediction, Quay Walker plays, Devondre Campbell doesn't. So you can probably start Quay Walker. And in deeper leagues, you can probably start Isaiah McDuffie as well. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've held Isaiah McDuffie just in case one of these guys um, isn't able to go. I thought Campbell would be the more likely one to be able to play. Um, but yeah, that's unfortunate that he's not ready to go either. So yeah, I'm with you. Isaiah McDuffie, expect probably like an 80% snap share, um, not a full-time role there, but deeper leagues, you could plug uh, Isaiah McDuffie in. There we go. Uh, Let's go ahead and talk really quick about the defensive line, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I know the matchup itself isn't great against the Broncos, but we chatted about this just for a sec earlier. Rashawn Gary is leading the league in TPS win rate at least as far as guys that are playing like real snaps, not Mickey Mouse snaps over here. But Devontae Wyatt's also looking pretty decent on the interior 23.9. I want to go down to Lucas Van Ness because unfortunately he's at a 5% TPS win rate. Preston Smith is at a 7.4% TPS win rate. Kingsley and Igbari is at a 12% TPS win rate. Basically, this defense is just hoping for more Rashawn Gary. And he's slowly but surely working his way back, but... The rest of the guys there, it's just going to be inconsistent matchup based production. Do you agree on that? Yeah. It, yeah. The other guys, not as interesting. And like you said, I, I think Preston Smith, probably the, the second best option there as far as, again, matchup based, potential volume based production. But Rashawn Gary is the one that's really, really interesting here because he was on a bye week last week. And we talked about this when Kyle Bellafield was on. Um, he's our resident Packers fan here. So uh, he agreed that. Coming out of the bye week, we should expect to see a pretty nice snap increase for Rashawn Gary. So the highest snap share that he's played this season was 47%, which came in week five right before the bye week. So it was nice to see them kind of ramp him up a little bit. I do think they're probably going to be comfortable in kind of letting him rip now. 
because he's been so good. Like you said, you, you laid out the metrics as well. And I mean, everything about he, despite playing no more than 47% of snaps in a game, he still has four and a half sacks, second best pressure rate in the league, second best uh, win rate in the league, 10th pass rush grade. Everything about this guy has been elite. Just needs to see it more snaps so that we can trust him in lineups. And I think I'm playing him this week. I'm going to start him in lineups. It's going against the Broncos. Russell Wilson, uh, not uh, afraid to take a few sacks, obviously. Um, so this could potentially be the first real week of, of Rashawn Gary unleashed. I like it. Call on your shot. The Rashawn Gary resurgence game. That's so exciting. I'm, I think I'm about ready to move on over to the Broncos. I don't think the safeties, I don't think anybody in the secondary is all that interesting unless you think otherwise. Uh, no, I do not. Um, yeah, let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about the Broncos. Where do you want to start with those guys? Yeah, okay. I think the first thing I want to talk about is just the matchup. It's basically bad for everything with the exception of maybe cornerbacks. So it's like, yay, cornerbacks. Yeah. And we're talking about a defense that if I look at their PFF defense grade, like all their individual players, man, I'm seeing a whole heck of a <laughs> lot of red. There's a little bit of green here. We got Josie Jewell who's looking decent. And then, you know, some corners, Pat Sertan's looking decent. But, I mean, the rest of the guys here, it is really, really tough to get excited about this team. Really tough to get excited about this defense. So, I guess really all I can mention is just a linebacker situation in that, you know, Josie Jewell's working back from injury. Alex Anzalone, not Alex Anzalone, Alex Kingleton, I'm sorry. Let me, <laughs> let me give this guy the respect he deserves. Alex Kingleton is actually the guy that's leading in defensive snaps and definitely showing out with that tackle efficiency too i think both guys are startable i think it's not a great matchup but that's okay it's not a bad matchup i think for linebackers it's actually pretty neutral so just expect more of the same from the both of them yeah i'm, I'm with you it seems like kingleton potentially is going to be the the every down guy for them at least two straight games that he has been even with josie jewel in the lineup so i have him as like lb20 like you said don't love the matchup but love the the love the player and the tackle efficiency josie jewel i've pushed down a little bit because of the matchup and the playing time he's lb32 for me so um yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Singleton actually does hold that every down role going forward. I know they signed him to a three-year deal this offseason. Jewel is a UD, uh, UD, uh, UFA at the end of this, uh, this season, so we'll see what happens there. But the other thing with Denver is, again, it, it's their edge rusher. So this is kind of a, a pick your poison here for – we did it with the, the Rams edge rushers, so I, I'll get to you again here with, with the choosing between the Denver edge rushers. Do you have a preference for either of these guys between uh, – oh, sorry, I got the wrong uh, slide up there again. Uh, Jonathan Cooper or Nick Benito? If you would have asked me this before I actually looked at the metrics, I would have said Nick Benito. Right. But now that I'm looking at it, I'm having second thoughts because Jonathan Cooper has a 17.6% TPS win rate, whereas Nick Benito has a 15.4% TPS win rate. He's also played more pass down snaps, and that means something. Now, I guess something could be said about pressure to sack conversion rate, but I don't really believe in that as a stable metric. I guess maybe the only argument you could make for Nick Benito is that he has a 9% run stop play making ability, I guess, if that's how you want to phrase it, versus <laughs> Jonathan Cooper's 3.7% run stop. I don't really think either player is super interesting. I'm still sitting waiting for Baron Browning to return to see what sure. he looks like and more importantly, whose snaps he bumps down when he returns. But 
I believe they opened up his return to practice window right after week four. So if he doesn't come back this week, is he done for the season? Potentially, yeah. I, I, but I did see that he was, I think, a full participant in practice um, today. So I think there's a pretty good chance that he'll be back in the lineup. Um, unless I'm, I'm, I am imagining things. I'm pretty sure that's what I saw earlier uh, for Baron Browning. But yeah, I think for me, if I have to choose between two of these, the, either one of these guys, it's still Jonathan Cooper. We talked about this last week and I think the week before as well. I know Benito's got the sacks, but Cooper got one last week as well. Uh, he's got the better pass rush metrics, like you said, 77.7 pass rush grade versus just a 64.9 for Benito. Better pass rush win rate as well for Cooper. Better playing time. I think Baron Browning coming back potentially pushes maybe Nick Benito down a, a little bit because Cooper's been solid for them. They, they've relied on him pretty heavily. It could also potentially eat into both of their snap shares a little bit as well because Baron Browning has been, he was solid for them last year as, as an edge defender there, but Anything else for this Denver defense that you want to talk about? Yeah, I think the conclusion of my thoughts here is just I'm not going to confidently be starting any of these guys. It's a bad matchup. There's the yeah. mystery of how their snaps will be impacted. So I'll probably just stay away and look for other options. I'll probably look at sure. some rankings. I'll probably try like pff.com and see what they got going on there. I'm sure they've got a guy there that has some pretty good defensive line rankings and, sure. and see if I can pick some guys up there ranked a little higher than them. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, all right, let's go to uh, Sunday night football, the Miami dolphins at the Philadelphia Eagles. So the, one of the storylines last week, Jalen Phillips finally returns to the Miami lineup and, uh, wasn't deployed in his usual way. Only a 43.5% snap share. He played behind Bradley Chubb and Andrew Van Ginkle. Um, did really little in that game as a result of the playing time. So obviously being kind of worked back from injury there. And Van Ginkle's played well. They're, they're going to keep this guy on the field as well. But because of Phillips' limited usage, it kept Van Ginkle on the edge quite a bit, which allowed David Long to play quite a bit more. Jerome Baker got injured, so that also played a part into it. There is a constant um, domino effect with this Miami defense here. So uh, that, again, just kind of being the main thing. We'll see what happens if Jerome Baker's healthy or not this uh, week because he would potentially be playing ahead of David Long if he is. And Jalen Phillips, we'd expect that snap share to increase as well, which could also kind of hurt David Long. Yeah, I don't think we're allowed to see... Jalen Phillips, Andrew Van Ginkle, David Long, and Jerome <laughs> Baker all play a full allotment of snaps all at the same yeah. time. Something's got to give, and I don't know what it is. Just kidding. It's probably David Long, unfortunately. So I guess maybe my actionable feedback here for managers would be just sell David Long. Like He's had, what, four, maybe five weeks in a row of consistent snap volume production. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. I don't remember his game log off the dome. But surely he has enough that you can sell him for something because like, think of it this way. If he continues doing what he's been doing, cool. You can sell on that. But if he goes back to what he looked like in week one, then great. You saved yourself a whole lot of hurt. I also want to give a quick shout out to AVG's TPS win rate at 28.8% playing as many snaps as he had been. Like I would have considered that an outlier kind of small sample size number. But at this point, he's played 184 pass downs and 125 pass rush snaps. Like, that is impressive. That is really, really impressive. Bradley Chubb's at 17.4%. Christian Wilkins on the interior, 17.1%. Jalen Phillips, small sample size, still working back, but a promising 14.6%. Like, 
this defensive line's looking good. I think as they get guys healthy, they're going to see more production. They're going to see more pressures. Maybe this isn't the game to see it happen. This offense has some advantageous matchups for linebackers and safeties, so we can talk about that next. But as for defensive linemen, I think you laid it out pretty clearly. That's what we're looking at. Yeah, so this is, I think for both sides, really, this isn't like an ideal matchup for for the defensive line guys. Um, but yeah, the, uh, Van Ginkle's been really good. I, I think he's going to be hard to kind of keep off the field for them, even when Jalen Phillips gets healthy. So um, yeah, the, the, looking at the Eagles side of things, the defensive line, again, like you said, it's not the best matchup, but Hassan Reddick has been on fire to start the season, uh, or not to start the season. He started the season off slow, but over the last three weeks, he has been on fire. Five and a half sacks um, over the last three weeks, even though he was basically putting up goose eggs in the first three weeks. So the thing is, this matchup, Tua Tunga Bailoa has taken just six sacks on the year, 13.3% pressure to sack conversion rate. He has the fastest time to throw in the league as well at 2.31 uh, seconds. So that's going to be pretty key against this Eagles defensive line and pass rush. We'll see if Jalen Carter is back as well, but um, it does make it a little bit more difficult for Reddick, Josh Sweat, those kind of guys to potentially have a big game. Um but it's not. It's going to be hard to sit these guys as well. I think there's still potential there for production, but you're probably tempering expectations, I guess, is what I should say. Yeah, this is such a tough situation to be in because uh, against the Miami offense, defensive tackles, it's the 30th best matchup. Defensive ends, it's the 30th best matchup. Against linebackers, it's the 29th best matchup. The only advantageous matchup here is for safeties. It's the second best. Yeah. So it's like, I don't really want to tell you to bench your edge rushers and your defensive tackles. I don't want to tell you to sit Jalen Carter. I don't want to tell you to sit Hassan Reddick. Hassan Reddick, I don't want to tell you to sit Nicobe Dean, but like, it's really tough. This is, There's a reason this matchup is so bad, and it's because these guys have a really hard time making plays. The entire offensive philosophy is lit, literally just get guys out in space and make them run away from people so that they don't ever get tackled. And maybe the only person that does tackle them is the last line of defense, the safety, which is why it's such an advantageous matchup for that position. So I would say I think we're probably going to see Hassan Reddick score something a little bit closer to what he was doing at the start of the season than what he's been doing for these last couple of weeks. And I know his managers don't want to hear that. But, hey, if you get upset, I won't be here next week. So you can yell at Macri. <laughs> Yeah, leave a comment or something like that. I'll pass it along to Evan. Uh, no, but you, it, that was very well said. It, it, that, it, that's exactly how I'm feeling about this group as well. And look, Nicobe Dean, uh, he did come back last week. When you're looking at those linebackers and seeing the the, the usage there, it was uh, kind of a mess. Nicobe Dean played limited snaps, basically being eased back in. But I do imagine he'll be the LB1 there before long. Zach Cunningham probably being the secondary option with Nicholas Morrow, the odd man out. Now, there there was talk from Nick Sirianna. I, Nick Sirianni, I believe it was today about potentially getting all three of these guys mixed in, which could hurt um, potential for Nicobe Dean to play every single down. Uh, so that is a bit concerning and maybe a reason to, to avoid him this week. But again, in a week where there are a lot of bye weeks, a lot of injuries still, Nicobe Dean, I think we, we see that snap crease kind of that snap share kind of increase this week. He was at 49%. I'd imagine that kind of goes up a little bit. Um, this this coming week can we take a moment to appreciate how wacky of a roller coaster ride nicholas oh, morrow has been this offseason yeah 
I thought he was going to be the guy alongside Nicobe Dean for the entirety of the offseason. Yeah. And then they bring in Zach Cunningham. Then they cut Nicholas Morrow. Then it's like, all right, it's, you know, it's Nicobe Dean and Zach Cunningham with Christian Ellis as the number two. And then Nicobe Dean gets hurt. They bring Morrow back in. He finally gets some work. Nicobe Dean then comes back and it's like, actually, we might keep <laughs> Nick Morrow around. It's like, how bad was your offseason evaluation that you like moved all the way away from Dick Morrow and now you're all the way back in on him? I'm <laughs> I'm so confused right now. Yeah. And and luckily Miles Jack retired, or also who knows what this this uh, linebacker situation could have looked like. Cause it was, yeah, it's been a hot mess for sure. But um it seems like they still potentially want to keep Nicholas Morrow in the mix. So maybe not dead yet, but I I'd imagine he's still kind of third on the depth chart there um going forward. So something to definitely watch for this week. But Anything else for the Eagles uh, for you that's that's worth talking about? Yeah, just really quick. Their their safety situation is so strange. I'm not even sure I've fully like processed what's going on. Terrell Edmonds, Reed Blankenship got hurt, so Sidney Brown came in. Right? Nope, not Sidney Brown. Still mm. not Sidney Brown. When are we going to see some of our Canadian? brethren get on the field it was makai garner so yep. i don't know why he garnered more snaps than sydney brown but um, nice, nice i'll nice let job. you make the puns i think you're a little better <laughs> at it than i am but i'm i'm good. just upset i want to see more sydney brown um we had what justin evans i think was already hurt so we didn't get to see him i think yeah. basically here's how i'll lay it out the hierarchy goes reed blankenship over terrell edmonds who is above justin evans who is above Makai Garner, who is above Sidney Brown. And then you just pick from that list of guys that are healthy or better yet, don't pick from that list. Well, no, you probably should because it's such a good matchup and somebody's going to score a lot of points. But maybe we just see a massive Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle game. How about that? Yeah, I, I would take that for sure um, over one of these safeties uh, just because they're a little bit more important for fantasy. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think... There's at least a chance that Sidney Brown would be ahead of Makai Garner, but he didn't play last game. He, I think he's dealing with an injury, so that played a part in it. If he's healthy back for this game, Reed Blankenship did get hurt last game. Justin Evans, like you said, he's on IR, so it could potentially be this week that we get Sidney Brown back um, at, or get Sidney Brown for the first time as a potential uh, starter in the NFL. So that would be something there. I mean, Terrell Edmonds. Yeah, you, you could definitely start him. That's probably the one that's closest to a guarantee in playing time, whether Blankenship plays or not. Um, but Sidney Brown could potentially come in here and, uh, and get his first start of the season as well. Quick update for you. As of three hours ago, Reed Blankenship missed practice on Wednesday. As of 18 minutes ago, Sidney Brown was a full participant in walkthrough. Ooh, how's that and for let's a time about, update? Yeah. Terrell Edmonds, let's see what he's doing. Uh, oh, well, no, no recent updates on him, but I don't yeah, think he, he should be healthy. Him. He, he yeah. should be fine. Yeah, there wasn't anything with him. It was more, yeah, Blankenship and, and Sidney Brown were kind of the question marks for this week. So there we go. Maybe, maybe we get some Sidney Brown um, this week. Third round rookie and uh, Canadian as well, which uh, we love to see here. Um, all right, let's go on to the Monday night football game. It is the San Francisco 49ers at the Minnesota Vikings. Evan, where do we start with this one? Yeah, I think I got to start off with the the linebacker breakdown as far as I feel like I just used the word hierarchy. So I need to find another way of explaining <laughs> this. But 
Uh, Oren Burks came in. He filled yeah. in for Fred Warner, was the handcuff. He was extremely unexciting, I think. Did he play? Yes, he also played here in week five. So I'm just not super excited about him. His grading was pretty bad. He got a 41 grade. He missed a tackle, but he got a couple, he got a couple tackles too. So it's like a tough dichotomy between not a great player, but a great situation. So let's put it like this. If Dre Greenlaw misses, Oren Burks can be started in deeper leagues but I'm not really excited to put him in anywhere other than like a linebacker four or a linebacker five, just because I know he's going to get a lot of snaps, but I'm not all that confident in his efficiency. Yeah, that that's fair. I, I mean, look, the, the good thing about Oren Burks is that if Dre Greenlaw doesn't play, it's basically a full-time role. Hey, he's going to play every snap. So there's potential that he can fall into production. And if Minnesota plays a lot of offensive snaps then that's a positive for him i think that if you're picking up or if you roster dre greenlaw um again hamstring injury that could be a bitch so if you have dre greenlaw this being a monday night football game you probably also want to have oren burks on your roster or at least a, a finger on the trigger to pick up oren burks on monday if it seems like greenlaw is not going to play so that you have a backup plan there and could plug in an every down linebacker otherwise you don't really want to put Oren Burks in your lineup. Again, it's a Monday night game, so other potential linebackers that you could have played are already done. And then if Greenlaw is active, Burks becomes basically useless, right? So he's probably somebody that you want if you have Drake Greenlaw. Yeah, uh, I, I totally agree with that. I guess maybe the next thing to talk about is just Randy Gregory. He came in, got a sack, and yeah. immediately proved that maybe he deserves to be there. I'm not quite as sold on him as maybe some other people yeah. are. I think it's a really, really small sample size. I think he got one pressure and that turned into one sack, <laughs> or at least one pressure in a true pass set. He got three pressures in total. But even still, um, I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not quite as sold on him as some people are, especially on a defensive line that is as stacked as this defensive line is. There are so many productive pass rushers and they're going to rotate all of them. So maybe like, maybe this is a long shot. I guess it really depends on who your league mates are. Maybe just sell Randy Gregory and see if you can get something for him. Because I can't see myself putting him in a starting lineup and ever feeling okay about myself. <laughs> That's fair. And look, hey, there are deeper leagues that Randy Gregory could be useful. I think he's a good pass rusher, but I'm with you that there there is going to be some snap share issues there. Um, it, actually, our dynasty league where we start like five defensive linemen, I am putting Randy Gregory in the lineup uh, uh, this week because the bye weeks are an absolute killer over there. So um, I do. I am one of those sad sacks that have to that has to start Randy Gregory this week, and just hoping that he potentially passes Cleveland Farrell or and Drake Jack and continues to stay ahead of Drake Jackson on the depth chart. But yeah, not overly excited about it at all until we see some consistency there. Um, on the Minnesota side of things, we, we always do the, the Ivan Pace update, but it's kind of tied into um, one of the other players that I, I want to talk about on Minnesota's defense. So Ivan Pace, Minnesota really has leaned into this one linebacker scheme here under Brian Flores. So just 18% of snaps for pace uh, in week six, it was really only Jordan Hicks. That was um, that was actually getting the playing time. And Hicks has been amazing. You're obviously starting him. You're starting Daniel Hunter. Um, but Ivan pace is not somebody that you want to start in IDP leagues, somebody you can hold for dynasty leagues, but 
the reason that Ivan Pace is not getting the playing time is because somebody like Josh Metellus is. So Josh Metellus is their third safety over there playing with Cameron Bynum and, and Harrison Smith, who are both great IDP options. But Josh Metellus has been just as good of an IDP option. Um, he's consistently been around 85% of snaps, uh, sometimes more uh, each and every week. And uh, with with Bynum and Smith in the lineup, the usage is ideal. He's been productive. He's getting some blitz attempts as well. So I think there's a lot to like about Josh Metellus. Um, I talked about him, I think, back in like week one or something like that as a potential waiver wire target. So how do you feel about Josh Metellus um, rest of season? Oh, I feel great. Yeah, I feel great about him. It's a good matchup for cor- – oh, no, it's a bad matchup. Sorry. San Francisco is a bad matchup for cornerbacks, but he's not really a cornerback. He's more of a right, glorified same, linebacker yeah. safety. I really like what they're doing here. It seems like a really modern defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's about as cliches of all cliches, but <laughs> having three safeties out there who are capable of playing all phases of the game, it just makes sense. Now, the only problem, obviously, is that our boy, Evan Pace, doesn't get to play as many snaps, but he's doing super, super well with the snaps that he is mm-hmm. getting, and you'll love to see that. I also want to quickly give a quick update here. I'm I'm heartbroken once again because my guy, um, I Marcus Davenport. I almost keep forgetting oh, yeah. <laughs> these guys' names. Uh, Marcus <laughs> Davenport. He just got placed on IR. Like this guy, he I was know. injured to start the season. Finally, got back. Was playing well, and now he's injured again. Yeah, which it, it happens sucks. every year with with Davenport. I start to get my hopes up with him, and then he gets injured, and and it's just like I, I just can't do it anymore with Davenport. I've given up kind of hope, but he's played well. He, he was he was doing great. He, he was even leading the team in snap share in one week over Daniel Hunter and been productive. But of course, now there's another injury, and he's on injured reserve. So, um, yeah, we're not gonna be uh, overly excited to plug DJ Wanham into lineups as as his replacement, unfortunately. Yeah, I feel like Davenport is very much like PFF's sticker of approval guy as far as yeah. like, trust us, he's actually good. Yeah, you yeah, just haven't gotten analytics. to see it yet. And in the right, like that is the case. It's just we we don't get to see enough of him, which really sucks. And yeah, I totally agree with you on DJ Wanham. I know it looks like he had a great week last week, but actually what he had last week was the Chicago Bears. Yeah. <laughs> Makes a big difference, right? Gotta gotta keep the context in mind there, who the opponent is. Same thing with like Dud Dupree in the, the Washington <laughs> offense. So uh I think that's gonna do it uh for another episode here, another weekly IDP preview episode. I hope you all found that helpful. Um, and if you did, please like and subscribe to the PFF Fantasy YouTube. I'd appreciate that very much. But more importantly, a huge thank you to the young king, Evan Rhonda. Evan. I cannot thank you enough for coming on here and talking ADP with me for IDP with me for this long. So I, I really appreciate it, man. Of course, I would I would do this for as much as we could possibly manage to talk about football because <laughs> it's always a blast to chat with you, listeners. Can I reiterate one quick thing? Can you smash smash that like and subscribe button? Smash it! It's free. It's so good. It just feels mm, just just smash it. Okay, please. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it, it was a blast to talk football with you, Macri. Always. Always a pleasure. One of my favorite people on the face of the earth. Just so, so great to chat football with. (laughs) Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, the feeling is mutual. Um, But before you go, please let everybody know where they can find uh, more of you and your work as well. Yeah, you can find me on the Bird app, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, at IDP Evan. Um, The IDP show, that's, you know, 
those are my people. So if you're looking for more IDP content with, you know, where I work and, and where I'm contributing, that's where you can find it. I know uh, most of your listeners, I would hope, are pretty familiar. But if they're not, get familiar. And again, smash that like and subscribe. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Yes. And uh, as for me, IDP Fantasy Report is out now on PFF.com. You can find all the snap shares, utilization, waiver wire targets in there for IDP leagues. Um, IDP rankings article should be out on Thursday morning. Um, we also have the link in the description as well for just the rankings page. So you could find those rankings right away. Um, we've got the wide receiver man in zone coverage report coming out on Thursday as well. Offensive line, defensive line matchup article. Um, yeah, all that stuff up on PFF.com. You can catch me again tomorrow doing the rest of the preview for the offensive side of the ball with the great Kate Majuk. Um, thank you all again for listening and until next time, peace out.